0: This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. Hello, I'm Mary Taverna, President Emeritus of Hospice by the Bay. Formerly, I was its chief executive officer and I positioned that, that position I held for 30 years. All told, in national hospice, state hospice, and local hospice, I've been involved in hospice for almost 40 years. I'm very passionate about the subject, and I care deeply about folks knowing a lot about it, and I'm pleased to be here today to talk with you about it. Hospice care, as it's known today, is the result of a change from how care of those terminally ill was delivered, a change that began only 40 years ago in the United States. A change that brought compassionate care into the lives of terminally ill patients and grief support services to their families. I am proud to have been a part of that change. What were the founding principles of hospice care? They were comfort, pain management, symptom control is most important, dignity and respect. A person comes to end of life as he or she has lived his life. Dignified, respected, and one at the end of life and one dying deserves exactly the same. Quality of life. Life has changed when one receives a terminal diagnosis, but the quality of that life can be maximized, and it can become the best it can be under different circumstances. Humanness to a dying process. Touching feeling, being present with the individual and his or her loved ones, and all-important, support of the family. Families have been left out of the loop for some time, and now with hospice care, they're very much a part of it. What interested me in this subject? In the early 70s, I was a nurse practicing at a general hospital, working frequently at night. And at night I saw individuals dying, alone, in pain, very often tucked far away from the nurse's station at the end of a hall. I felt definitely this could be improved and it troubled me. But fortunately, as it was troubling me, there was a group of individuals across the country who were having the same experience. We came together to create this hospice benefit and I'll talk with you about that, but first let me tell you the seed for hospice care in the United States, now 40 years old, was planted by Dame Cicely Saunders who made a presentation to Yale University in 1972. Shortly thereafter a group of us across the country, a small group, went to work and we were set to see that hospice care came to the United States. She challenged us to take better care of our dying. Why is it a value and why did we invest so much time and energy and quite frankly make so many sacrifices? In answering that question, there are many other questions and issues to address. The suggestion of hospice care can be frightening, as a patient may have no idea what it's all about. She or he often hears only three words, I am dying. Let's look at this through the eyes of a patient. A patient who's trying to get his or her eyes around the words terminal illness, limited life expectancy. A patient who is frightened, possibly angry, most likely angry depressed, in pain, and feeling hopeless. Let's imagine for the next few minutes that you are the patient and I am the hospice representative. My job is to convey to you the importance, the value, the benefits, and how hospice care can be of help. You have many questions for me, I am sure of that starting first and foremost with what is hospice care. To this day, 40 years later, it's still not well understood. How will it help? Who does it? I want to stay at home. I'm not going to another place. And not only am I not going to another place, I don't want a lot of strangers entering my home. I like my own doctor, and I am not in need of another one. I understand there's a hospice physician. I like my doctor. These are some of your questions. The First question I wanna respond to is where it happens. Hospice care can be delivered in a facility, a hospice facility, a skilled nursing facility, a hospice house, a residential care facility, and at home. I'll talk mostly with you today about the at home program because that is your interest. But please know that wherever hospice is provided, in a facility, at home, the care is exactly the same. All that changes is the location. You continue to ask me questions, what will it cost? Why should I care? Doesn't matter. Nothing's going to help. And then you say, which we hear all very too frequently, I am not dying. What diagnoses qualify for this type of care? All diagnoses can qualify for this type of care as long as life is limited by months, weeks, or days. Preferably months. You say you're not dying. I have to respond to that at this particular moment or our conversation will be ending. The best response I can offer you is that All options for medical treatment and intervention to treat your disease have been exhausted, and nothing is helping at this point. Therefore, it's time to consider hospice care. If you get better, which you said you didn't want to sign up for hospice because you might get better, what good news that is, we're always happy to see someone's condition improve, to have a temporary reprieve and for you at that point to be discharged from the hospice program. So what are the benefits? You're listening to me now but you're still not convinced because the benefits you need to know about. You know about your insurance, you know about what Medicare pays and doesn't pay, but you don't know anything about hospice and how much it costs. And will it exhaust your resources, your financial resources? All medications that you will need related to your terminal illness are a covered benefit. The hospice provides and pays for them. Should you need to be hospitalized for something related to the terminal illness that will be paid for by the hospice. The medical supplies and durable medical equipment that may be needed are a covered benefit. Medical equipment is most often a very very valuable thing to have. Hospital beds become welcome additions at a time when you're looking for more positions for comfort. Caregivers are needing to have ability to raise and lower the bed. And you want to be located among the family and close to the center of the activity in your home. That too is covered. You may want that bed in the back bedroom to look at the garden you've worked so hard to plant and to enjoy it. That plus all of the services provided by the hospice are part of this covered benefit. Where did this benefit come from? Why does it exist? Prior to 1982, there was no benefit for hospice care, no payment, no reimbursement. Those of us who started programs, started programs on philanthropic dollars, on grants, and numerous ways to keep the program going albeit quite small, until we could find a way to get it paid for. This same group of pioneers, as I will call them, worked with the Congress of the United States to see to it that hospice became a covered benefit under the Medicare benefit. That was a grand day. And so today, Medicare covers the provision of hospice care. Most insurance also cover the provision of hospice care. There is no copay or deductible. Your drugs are provided if they're related to the terminal illness. When you go into a hospitalization, there's no copay or deductible. Those go away at this particular time. And for the most part, you should have to put out very little financially. Some individuals at home prefer and need hired caregivers around the clock. That is not covered by the benefit, but short-term visits and interventions are all covered. Let me tell you who does the work, because you referenced that. You didn't want a lot of strangers coming into your home. And this list is probably exactly what you feared would happen. But let's walk through it, because it's not that frightening. Nurses and social work are primary disciplines. You will be assigned a primary nurse and most likely a social worker. Their job is, first and foremost, to get you into physical comfort, to see that you're getting the right medications to see that the medical interventions that are being used are appropriate and social workers focus on your emotional well-being the well-being of your family and how best to keep you as a family unit together functioning and dealing with all the unknown issues that surface at this time those are the two primary disciplines and many of the others are complementary, complementary if you want them that is The home health aide sees to your personal hygiene. He or she makes sure that when you can no longer get in the shower to bathe yourself, that you will be bathed, that your linens will be clean, that the area around you will be neat and tidy and pleasant. Chaplains are non-denominational, and they visit according to desire. There's nothing that says you have to have a chaplain's visit, but some patients prefer to have that contact. Some prefer to have liaison to their own pastor or priest. Upon admission, some could care less about a chaplain visit. And farther down the illness, it is wanted. It can be added at any time. Pharmacists and physicians. You talked about the physician. The physician that's on the hospice team is there as a resource to the team. He or she oversees a plan of care that's developed for you and the pharmacist is there to be sure that the right drugs are being used. What works for one patient may not work for another. So if the change is needed in the drugs, the pharmacist can help the team select a better option. Bereavement counselors are there also to work with your family as they cope with the loss of someone central to their being, a pending loss of a loved one. And let me go back to trained volunteers. Trained volunteers are a wonderful option. These volunteers are trained, they are supervised, and they are a valuable, valuable asset. Patients and families enjoy having a layperson. A lay person who can sit with you, read to you, run an errand for you. Give your caregiver a bit of respite so he or she can get out, knowing your safety is assured because someone's in the home with you. Physical therapy, speech therapy, and occupational therapy happen also, but not as frequently. Visits, how often do people visit? How often do they come? Most often, it's a weekly visit per discipline. Not all the time. Sometimes those visits increase, sometimes they're less. Check-in calls happen many times. How comforting it is to get a call in the evening before you retire for the night Just checking on your well-being. Do you anticipate any needs in the night? It's not easy at one or two in the morning for you to be alone and need something and wish you had addressed it. It's not easy at one or two in the morning to pick up the phone and call somebody. But you can call hospice. You can call hospice 24 hours a day. Someone's available there to help you through the issue. And if a home visit is needed, that will happen too. I mentioned earlier that physicians visit only as needed and only by desire. I like to describe the care delivery system in this way. The patient's the hub, and all of the disciplines are the spokes. Some have many, and others have few. Not all wheels are the same. The number of spokes that surround you are related to your needs and only what you need, not what someone else needed. And those decisions are made in collaboration with you and your loved ones. So it's not an established protocol, it's not dictated. You have independence in some of these decisions and you will be consulted all along the way. So, what are the attributes of hospice care? Well, it's interesting if you look at this list and the former list of the founding principles, they're the same. What hospice care does is help achieve at the highest level possible a quality of life. You will be treated with respect and compassion. The care will be personal and responsive to you and your needs and you will have access to the interdisciplinary team. I use interdisciplinary team this time as opposed to multidisciplinary because multidisciplinary means there are many disciplines. Interdisciplinary team and its expertise is a combination of the whole and to be able to access a service from one of the disciplines and have he or she be able to address other issues is golden and that's what the hospice multiple uh, excuse me the multidisciplinary team becomes the interdisciplinary team and you have access to that um, expertise so the overall goal is to put life into your days when days cannot be added to your life I do want to mention that you can still hope If days cannot be added, there can be hope for many other things. And I like to describe it as hope redefined. Hope for comfort. Hope that unresolved family issues can be settled. A reuniting of estranged relationships can occur. Last wishes fulfilled. And the all-important bucket list completed. Not everyone wants one or more of these, but We like to help people come to a peaceful end of their life and to resolve unresolved issues, if they wish to have them unresolved. If days can be added, let me go back to that, and your life will be extended. That's the best news of all. At that point, you can be discharged from the hospital, as I mentioned earlier. It's an important point to emphasize. There are additional issues and challenges. And I haven't heard you ask me these questions, but my guess is they're on your mind. Some or all of them. First and foremost, denial is a coping mechanism. You told me earlier you're not dying. That's not uncommon for people to stay in that place, but we try to work through it and eventually get to the place where there is some acceptance in order to take advantage of all the resources that exist don't tell my wife. Frequent statement, don't tell my husband, don't tell my kids. Let me assure you that your wife knows what's happening. She's looking for permission and an opportunity to be a part of your life at this time, to be of help, to be involved. I'll be a drug addict. Frequent, frequent concern, because narcotics are used in hospice care. They're used for the management of pains and symptoms. But being a drug addict and receiving a narcotic for treatment of pain and having it be a, mental, a medical intervention versus a social um, experimental addiction are two different things. You will not be a drug addict. You've heard death is hastened in hospice. I don't want to go to hospice because you die then. It's not true. Not true at all. Hospice does not hasten or postpone death. Hospice makes sure you're comfortable, makes sure the right things are happening for you, and if it means you need to be in a heavy sedation, that's what it will be. But that doesn't happen often. But death is never hastened. Suicide A frequent thought of many patients enrolling in hospice care or facing end-of-life issues. An important issue to talk about, to express to the staff what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Hospice staff have heard it all. Let me assure you of that. And there should be no thought you are having that you are afraid to express. Because by that expression, the hospice staff will work with you and help you to work it through, relieving your mind of great troubles. In conclusion, you matter because you are you, and you matter to the last moment of your life. This is a favorite quote of mine, stated by Dame Cicely Saunders, the founder of the modern hospice movement, St. Christopher's Hospice in England, 1967 and 1985. You'll remember I told you earlier that she traveled to the United States, spoke at Yale, and challenged us to take better care of our dying. I'm pleased to tell you we accepted her challenge and I think have created a program that is of great help to people at the end of life. I hope you better understand what hospice can do and are more comfortable with the option. It's not to be feared. It's to be welcomed and embraced at a time when it's needed. Thank you. Thank you for asking the question. Thank you for your interest. And should you have any further questions, any hospice representative can be available to you.